sports fans, welcome back to another edition of the TMG Podcast. Uh, this is Chris Dufresne of TMG, and we've got a crowded house today. Boy, we a star-packed panel. Includes the, uh, the, the, the regulars, uh, Herb Gould, uh, the Gould Standard, and we have Mr. College Football, Tony Barnhart, uh, and we have Mark Blouch, and we also have Jersey Guy 1A, or uh, 1, depending on how you look at it, Tom Lucci, is joining us on the call. Tom is one of our featured guest uh, lecturers. Uh, what do we call him? A resident. I guess he's sort of a resident uh, writer. Does a, our great Sunday column. Uh, we're excited to get into a lot of subjects today. Uh, first, of course, we, as we do every week, we have to thank our sponsor, APBA, APA, the unchallenged king of quality sports strategy games, appagames.com. We usually have a testimonial every week from Mark Blauchin. Uh, Mark, I don't know what game you played this week. Uh, you, have, you, have you played any of the divisional games, or what's your? What, I, what do you I have played to? divisional games, and I also played the first two games of the ALCS and the, and the NLCS. And uh, just in, if you want a preview of that, I mean, uh, Houston beat Boston seven to five, and, and, and Milwaukee beat the Dodgers three to two. So are you pretty much a shut-in, or do you do you go out and get your mail, or you just stay in and play this? Oh, I have I, I use Uber when I want to get out of, out of the house. Yeah. Okay. So, but you do have you you are doing other things other than playing. Uh, I'm eight, on this eight. conference call. I'm on my podcast. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, and let's do another plug. I received Herb. I received your book yesterday. The hard copy. The Run Don't Count uh, looks looks great. I, I mean, I love this book. Um, it's it's a wonderful uh, account of the 1908 Chicago Cubs, the last team to win the World Series. No, wait a minute. I think they've won since then. But uh, that wasn't that wasn't the plan when you were writing this book. I know, but uh, it is a one. Erected by winning. <laughs> so now the club, the Cubs. Some have say they're not even lovable anymore. B- Mark Blauchin will. Con- well, uh, I think attest to this that the Cubs are, are are not even you know it's better it's better that if they, that they they shouldn't have never won the World Series, right? What do you think, Mark? Right. Yeah, so they're just another they, team. They ruined all their mystique. Well, that ought to help book sales for Herbie, but uh, no, <laughs> the, it, it it's a really it really is a good book. And if you if you've never heard of, of Merkel's boner, <laughs> I'm not sure we want to get into Merkel's boner. Right now, but uh, it uh, it's a, it's a fascinating historical novel, uh, and you should pick it up. It's called Herb. It's called The Run Don't Count. Yeah, that was the quote from the umpire after the uh, disputed run at Merkel, the Merkel game. Uh, I know. I only know a little bit about about this. It was the hundred and tenth anniversary of it, like last week or coming up, or uh, I think it's uh, coming up. Uh, yeah, they, uh, just 110 years ago today, they were in the midst of the World Series against De- Ty Cobb and the Detroit Tigers. Wow. Yeah. So uh, you want to know about Merkel's boner and a lot of, about the Tinkers to F. Now, I would, is it Evers or Evers? Tinkers to Evers to Chance, the, the poem, the famous double play? I think number? officially it's Evers. Um, our friend Tim Layden of Sports yeah. Illustrated, who's a great nephew of, uh, great grandnephew of. Johnny Evers, but everybody says Evers, so so that's I think you can pick pick or choose. Okay, uh, and before we get started, I do want to acknowledge uh, the passing this week of the great coach, St. John's coach, 
John Gallardi, uh, St. John's, Minnesota, the winningest coach in college football. Uh, he passed away this week, uh, age 91. Uh, a few of us, I know Blau and I and I were at his uh, game where he... 409, yeah. Yeah, 409 when he passed um, Eddie Robinson on the all-time list. And what a... I, I got to put that up there as one of my favorite trips uh, to, <laughs> to <laughs> yes, St. John's. Was. It was. Do you remember... They beat Bethel in that game, uh, and everybody was there. I mean, SI, New York Times, a, a lot of national people. And do you remember, Blau, that they were losing until the final drive, and, and, and we're all sitting there going, if they don't win this game, why are we, we here? Have no <laughs> we have no story. So, and, and so St. John's went on a, a game-winning drive, uh, and they celebrated the coach, and, and, and John Gallardi's wife, Peggy, made chocolate chip cookies for us in the, uh, you know, in, in his office afterwards, and he, it was just a, a great guy, uh, way ahead of his time, so I wanted to get uh, that acknowledgement. I think we're out of time now, all the plugs we've done. <laughs> uh, but let's bring in Tom Lucci as our guest this week, a special guest. What do you have to say, Tom? What's on I mean, your? I was going to say, mind? Chris. I, I think of all the top ten coaches in terms of wins, he's the only guy I didn't cover a game. Um, well, I, I, I remember I went out of my way when uh, Rambling came to Old Giant Stadium to play in the. Uh, I think it was the Whitney Young Classic, and uh, so I made a point of going out to to make sure that I could see Eddie Robinson and talk to him. So all the other guys, I was obviously at games, but I think uh, John Gallardi was the only one. Yeah, that group that I really never got a chance to uh, cover a game of his. Very, you know, he he was so far ahead of his time, uh, and you know he really influenced guys like Bud Grant. I mean, Bud Grant of the Vikings used to come out. You know, and John, John Glardy was at St. John's for sixty years. So, mm-hmm. and you remember in the in the sixties when Bud Grant had the Vikings going, the the the, the Vikings were very. Uh, had very different techniques of, of training, you know, not a lot of contact during the week, all things that coaches do now. Uh, John Gallardi was doing, you know, in the fifties, you know, giving, actually giving his players water and, you know, not it, kind of the opposite of the, uh, of the junction boys kind of coaches that, you know, military, military coaches that, that we kind of all grew up with. But uh, yeah, he was a special guy. Uh, but Luch, um, a couple things I want to address with you. First, the state of Rutgers, as we always, you know, you're very close to Rutgers in many ways. Uh, so tell us about, is this the, is this the worst? Uh, and we mentioned this last week where, you know, Rutgers and Temple got kicked out of the Big East because they were so bad in football. Is Rutgers Terry Shea bad? How bad are they on the scale of Rutgers badness? No, well, Temple did get kicked out of the Big East. Rutgers did. I thought Temple did. Too. Temp did, but Rutgers did not. Oh, Rutgers? Yeah. No, no they never got kicked out of the Big East. They just, uh, you know, they left for the Big Ten. And they went to the AEHC, and then they, they left for the Big Ten. Oh, it was Temple. So, but they were... Really, you're right about it. But, yeah, it's, you know, it's at those Terry Shea proportions now. And, and you know, in 35 years covering college football, he's the worst. Terry Shea is the worst game coach I've ever seen. You know, <laughs> and uh, it looks like we're, we're approaching that proportion now. I mean, you know, it's, it's the old story. It got so bad during the Terry Shea, the, during those five years when he went 11 and 44, that the year he went five and six and won two Big East games, he'd be Pitt and he'd be Temple, they, they gave him the uh, Big East Coach of the Year just to keep him in the league. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, I, 
but that's that's where we're going with this. I mean, this was supposed to be the year of progress for them, and you, you cut them some slack because they're starting true freshman at quarterback. But other schools are true freshman, you know, and have success. They're not having any success at all. And uh, as I said, the, the meat grinder of their schedule is still to come after they play Maryland at Maryland on Saturday. They, they play Northwestern, Wisconsin, Michigan, Penn State, Michigan State. So, yeah. and this is the easy portion of their schedule, and they're one and five going on one and six. Well, so well, yeah, it's as bad as it's been in a long, long time, probably twenty years. Not, not so bad though. That last week on this podcast, we had a little friendly bet between in the Illinois Rutgers game, and Herbie took Illinois. I think there was a pizza. What was a, what was the bet last week, Herb? And are you? Yeah, it was uh, it? a deep dish against uh, New Jersey style. Yeah. Right. Honestly, Herb, I would have had to hold my nose if I ate deep dish pizza. So. <laughs> oh, come on. Had, you know, there's a lot of bad deep dish pizza, and I, I won't argue that, but if you have good deep dish pizza, it's fine. You know, yeah. um, Lou Malnati's does a great job, Gino's East, but there, there's a lot of others I won't indict, but there's a lot of bad deep dish pizza. I agree with you on that. Well, well, actually, to get back to your original thing, this is, like you say, it's as bad as it's been in 20 years, and there's no reason for it. You know, um, they've upgraded their facilities. You know, they've, they've done the kind of thing. I, I just think, you know, no offense to anybody from any part of the country, but when you bring a Midwest guy into Rutgers, it just doesn't work. I mean, if it, you know, the, the, the New Jersey high school coaches are so parochial, uh, and that's why Greg Schiano got along with him so well. He was he was from here, and yeah. it just doesn't work. I mean, and plus, you watch him coach in game. Uh, it's it's almost like he, he feels like there's a, a, a time clock on uh, when he has to use his timeouts and some of the play calls that he makes. And it's just yeah. uh, it, it looks like a first like a, a new head coach who had never been a head coach. Right, Tom. Well, let me ask, why did it go so? I mean, they won three Big Ten games last year, and regardless of who they beat or anything, why did it go away this year? Was was there a personnel turnover, or, or are they just not playing well? They, they just well, it's two things. They're not playing well because they didn't lose that much talent. They they had a lot of returning talent, um, you know, in terms of experience. I don't know if you'd call it talent per se, but it was the experience was there. It's just for some reason, I, you know, again, I, I just. I mean, this is a team that's, uh, this is a guy who's lost a game 78 to nothing. That's hard to mm-hmm. do. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's really hard to do. I know you've seen the numbers. I think the last three years they've been outscored by Ohio State like uh, 156 to 7. It's something ridiculous. They're not yep. even competitive. You know, the very last p- podcast I did at the Star-Ledger in 2014, I signed off with saying, Rutgers will never win the Big Ten tournament, uh, the Big Ten title in my lifetime. They won't even win the division in my lifetime. So uh, I know a lot of people were rooting that I would die quickly, but mm-hmm. it happened. It's just uh, you know they're just they don't belong in the Big Ten for athletics. They do for academics, but they don't for athletics. They just they do not belong in that league. So was this a bad deal? Was this a bad was this a bad transaction? Or is it you know? financially it's gonna it, you know it's it's they it gave them a, a lifeline financially. They're gonna get a you know a ton of money for the Big Ten in twenty twenty one. I guess it is and. You know, but if you look at basketball and football and, you know, <clears throat> the board, maybe with the exception of soccer, they yeah. just are competitive in the Big Ten athletically. It's just, uh, you know, this is not a two-year deal. I, I don't see how this can turn. Uh, basketball, it'll happen, 
I think, quicker than it will in football. But I don't know how it's comparing it. Just, and they stopped this guy because they owe him five years and $10 million. For some year, the reason the AD decided last year to give him a five-year extension. You know? Yeah. Um, so they're not buying this guy out. Yeah. Tony, let's, I want to bring Mr. College Football in. You know, when the, when the SEC expanded... Uh, it was in 1993. Is that when Arkansas? Now, Arkansas has never won the SEC, correct? This, how many years? That's tw- it's not almost yeah. r- called Rutgers-esque. And, and they're, not, they're, not, yeah. they're not closer now than they, they've ever been, I'll tell you that. But well, the, they, they, yeah, they expanded in 1992, so that's yeah. 20, yeah. 25, 26 years. Uh, Arkansas has made the SEC championship game twice. But they've done... Obviously, they've done well in basketball and baseball. Should have won the national championship this year. So, they've had enough success. Well, they've had some success in football. The rest of the the rest of the sports have been really good. Have they been good for the league? I mean, I know Arkansas is probably. I mean, that's that's like you know that's like hitting a lottery for Arkansas and and Rutgers too. But have they been have they been good for the league in football? Uh, yeah, I think so overall. Overall, I mean, it's, it, now again, they, they haven't been, they're going through a, a difficult transition right now. But, you know, Danny Ford was the coach for a while, got him to the championship game. Houston Nutt had a nice little run, got him to the championship game. So I think, over, and also what it did was it was a gateway before Texas A&M came in 2012. Arkansas was the gateway into Texas. Right. Um, and staying with Tony, we, went, we need a, a – uh, a, a weather channel report every time we, we yeah. call you it seems we have to get a, a hurricane update what did did you were you bypassed by this uh the latest storm or what's going on down there well of course on, on all things weather i always go to the godfather who's mr mark weather channel blousing uh to get all my updates uh, but no the, st- the storm was a historic storm it was a cat four Cat four hurricane and one has never hit the Florida pan. Cat four has never hit the Florida panhandle, and it just absolutely destroyed Panama City. But what what happened was is when it hit the panhandle, hit Panama City, it took a right turn, and instead of coming up towards Atlanta, it went into South Georgia and scraped across South Georgia, North Florida, and then went into the Carolinas. And so the uh, I've got a attorney brother of mine lives in Albany, which is in southwest Georgia. They got hit pretty hard, but he's fine. But, uh, yeah, it was a scary, scary storm. I was supposed to speak in Jacksonville uh, yesterday uh, and then fly home. I did not I did not make that trip. Yeah, yeah. Not, that, not that it's important, but any uh, any games affected this weekend down your way or that we know of? Or? No, I think everything's moved out. Now, we'll see yeah. about the North Carolina-Virginia coast right. uh, today. Today, I guess, because um, the the storm sort of passed through there, passed through Charlotte. I don't. I have not heard anything about any games being impacted thus far. Okay, uh, let's get back. I want to bring Lucci back into this general discussion, and and it involves Notre Dame, because Lucci wrote about Notre Dame in your Sunday column. Uh, you know, kind of the, the the monster that 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 has that has risen, and when they're good, they they affect everything, uh, including the playoff. Uh, what what do you see there? And I want to get into their, this data point issue too. After after you give me an assessment of their chances of running the table and and knocking a conference champion, another one out of this playoff. I think, well, I, I think two things. You know, work. I, I 
can't believe I'm going to say this, work against the 12 and 0 Notre Dame team. And then, first of all, um, the step is not as daunting as, as it generally is. And that's not their fault. I'm not blaming them. But uh, a couple of their quality wins have been valued. I mean, uh, Michigan could go on to lose three games. It's quite possible if they lose to Penn State and, and uh, Ohio State. And, right. and Stanford could lose another game. You know, they already, uh, they already they have. Yeah. Because that's the first thing. The second thing, in my mind, which is why I would look at a one-loss seed team, and maybe the SEC runner-up, is because Notre Dame doesn't play in a championship game. And I I think that has to be factored in. You know, they have one less opportunity to lose. So, you know, when you look at that, I I mean, I guess, Tony, you would know, I I think in the past, what is it, four or five or six years, or there's only been a couple of undefeateds going to the the playoffs, right? Uh, Into the match. Notre Dame. Uh, It's one of them, right? Outside of Alabama and Notre Dame, I think are thin, but it could happen. And I could see, uh, you know, I, I could make the argument for a quality one-loss team over Notre Dame. I don't think it's going to happen, but I could make the argument because, yeah, based on the schedule and the lack of a conference championship. Well, well, here, here, here's, go ahead, here's Tony. the nightmare scenario, just from talking to people about this. The nightmare scenario, not only for the selection committee, but for a lot of people, is a 12 and 0 for the last spot, you know. Right. The SEC, let's say Georgia wins the SEC championship, beats Alabama by a field goal. Mm-hmm. God is, Georgia's in, Clemson's in if they go 13 and 0. Right. Ohio State's in if they go 13 and 0. And for the last spot, your, your choices will be 12 and 0 Notre Dame, 12 and 1 Big 12 champ, 11 and 1 Alabama. Right. Yeah. What do you do? What do you do? Uh, no, excuse me. 12, 12 and one Alabama. We right. just lost a close game to Georgia. Right. Right. I, I, that's what. That's the. That's the issue I tried to raise. Is that it's not. You know, Mark and I. Well, Brown and I went over this a couple of times because he challenged me on it. But I, I don't think it's the. Like Tony's suggesting, I don't think it's the shoe in that a lot of people think if they're twelve and up. Uh, well, but, yeah. Although the key, the key stat. It seems to me in the college football playoff over the years, the key stat has been fewest losses. I mean, I, I don't see a, an unbeaten Notre Dame, and, and we had this conversation uh, a week or two ago, Tom. Uh, I, I know what you're saying, but especially and especially Notre Dame with all their cachet, an unbeaten Notre Dame against a one-loss team anywhere else, I I still think Notre Dame gets the nod, even though we can all agree that they they might not measure up schedule strength-wise. Right. Well, we don't know what we and we don't know what USC is going to be at the end of the year. USC, you know, a few years ago started one and three, and, and by the end of the year they were a top ten team. So I mean, USC could be better. Uh, so and Florida State is certainly you know playing better. They're, they're not winning yet, but they're playing. You know, they, they gave Miami all they wanted the other day. But uh, so we don't know. Syracuse is certainly not a you know a bad team. Uh, yeah, Northwestern's been much improved the last couple of weeks too, which is shocking because their their running back had to retire due to a medical. Yeah, Jersey guy, you, you Jersey guy Blouchin, you had a you had a theory even last week about uh, about Alabama getting in again with again without winning their division. <coughs> Are you still sticking to this story? That's that's possible. I, mean, I, I think we could have the same thing. If I mean, I, I agree with Tony though. I mean, like it, it's going to be tough for the committee. When they look at if Alabama loses in the last to Georgia to Georgia by a field goal, the problem there is 
as Herb said, I, I think the committee values wins as much as anything. I, I, I find it impossible to believe that an undefeated Notre Dame team does not make it in. Um, I just think that's, that's just, I just don't think that's going to happen. I get, I, well, I, it's probably going to be a moot point, as Tony can attest to. I mean, Georgia's got to run a gauntlet of a schedule yet, right? Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly, Luce. <laughs> I know it's crazy, but UCF. Is that really out of the equation? Yeah, and you know what? As, as good as no. Ohio State is, the way Ohio State plays defense, you know, you, you might look back on a Saturday night and say, well, why didn't we see that coming? Well, yeah. Uh, and Tony, the, 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 the dynamic of the SEC changed a little bit. You know, there were some really important losses in the SEC West in particular. Well, and also you know, Kentucky lost for the first time in the East, but... LSU and Auburn losing in the West. How does that kind of uh, you know roil up what's going on there, guys? It's it's really really simple. If LSU loses to Georgia on Saturday, the SEC West is over. It's over. <laughs> it is because here's why. Everybody except Alabama. If that happens, if LSU loses. Auburn's already got two losses. Mississippi State's got two losses. Texas A&M's got one. Arkansas, three. Ole Miss, two. If LSU loses Saturday, then everybody in the Western Division except Alabama and Texas A&M will have two losses. Yeah. Alabama already has the tiebreaker over. with one loss over Texas A&M, which means the only way that LSU, the only way that anybody else could get back into it is that Alabama would have to lose twice. And I'm telling you, boys, Alabama, Alabama ain't gonna lose <laughs> once, and they sure as hell ain't gonna lose twice. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, Tony, SEC West, SEC West. If LSU loses, the SEC West is over. Tony, I, I know you. you can, I don't know if you noticed this, but one of their opponents, Arkansas State, took a bad loss Tuesday night against Appy State. So that's gonna hurt Alabama's strength of schedule. I'm None ki- of I'm that. I'm kidding, matters. of course. They're beating everybody <laughs> by thirty. Okay. I just everybody said. Everybody's saying Alabama's playing a weak schedule. They are, and it doesn't matter. What's the rest of your point? That they're the, I mean, still the best. They haven't just, covered in weeks. That they're mean. still the best. <laughs> Tell me about it. That, <laughs> there's, <laughs> they, they're, Holy cow! They're, they're, they're not mutually exclusive points. They have played a, a weak schedule. And they're still the best team in the country. I, you can say that, both things. Louisville, those things are both true. Louisville is yes. horrible this year, uh, yep. and, and and so yeah. Uh, and to, and Luch, getting to your point about Central Florida, which you brought up, and that will you know get into the discussion. You know what their you know what their strength of schedule is this week in Sagarin? Mm. I know you don't you don't. It's like one one forty five. Okay. Well, they start to play South Florida. They start to play Cincinnati. They're two unbeaten teams. That may help them. Okay, now I'm just saying, uh, this we we've talked a little bit about that. It really would have helped Central Florida this year to play one of those marquee games at the beginning, a Labor Day game, you know, against uh, somebody big that you can kind of you know carry some of that momentum. But you know, they're kind of it's hard to see how they're gonna uh, you know get get beyond. I was just going to you know, they're still unbeaten. You can't forget about them. I, they still have to play the upper part of the schedule in the second half, but they are undefeated. Well, I was high on, I was high on West Virginia in, in 2007 or whatever it was. Well, you know, 
and it's an unbeaten record for Big 12. I don't, does that affect things? I don't know. As long as they don't have to play Pitt at the end of the year, I think they'll be all right. But that's, you know, we saw that before. But, you know, yeah, the, all those are, all those are uh, you know, in the air. But Central Florida, I think, is really kind of spinning its, spinning its uh, wheels right now. I don't, I, I don't see where they have, you know, the, well, you said Cincinnati is, is unexpectedly good. I, I don't know. I I think I think that there's you know there's a gla- there's a glass ceiling on this thing that one of these teams is not getting the four. One of these group of five teams. I just I can't see it happening. But but maybe. I'm well, wrong. that's one of those little secrets that we no, nobody likes to admit it. But if you're not in one of the power five conferences, it, it's it's kind of a triple A major league thing. I mean, whether we like like to say it out loud or not. That those teams aren't getting in because it's just not they're not playing it at the same level. Even though there there might be a Triple A team that's better than a, a major league team, but that doesn't mean they're going to get to play in the World Series. Let me ask one. Let me throw one more out though. Too. All right. Uh, just to, the, back to the Notre Dame point. I'm beating Ohio State. I'm beating Alabama. I'm beating Clemson. I'm beating West Virginia. I'm beating Notre Dame. There's no way Notre Dame gets left out. Um. Well, you know, now that the Big 12 has added, like you said, now that they've added that their their conference title game, but I, you know, I have a question about data, this 13th data point issue, and I, I think that issue is, is relevant, but not everyone is playing the same game. I mean, three, three conferences are playing nine league games, two conferences are playing eight. Uh, so unless everything is even, I don't know what a 13th data point why that should matter if, if you know, is Citadel count as a data point? Should that count as a data it, point? Or I, I agree with you, and you know, I think that's going to be one of the topics that's going to continue to grow. That, that there's going to be a push for everybody to play nine conference games, and that does that does negate the the twelve versus thirteen thing because, as you said, Doof, these, these are you know apples and oranges on a lot of these schedules. Yeah, so uh, you know, we were talking about that. What's the thirteenth data point? Well, who did you play, or what? Who did you try to play, or you know, uh, you know, we've mentioned this before. I mean, uh, you know, in in the Pac-12, I mean, Stanford and, and USC played Notre Dame every year, plus plus nine league games. So that's different. That's just different, and and it's going to be harder for them. So I don't know. Yeah. It's it, it's a case by case thing. To Lucci's point, you know, about the if there's the five unbeaten's that he mentioned. I think the fact that Oklahoma lost, the, the fact that it's West Virginia in the Big 12 rather than Oklahoma, that, that opens the door for Notre Dame because Oklahoma had had much more of a stature thing than West Virginia does because this stuff is subjective to a, a certain degree. I, I think Notre Dame, you know, when Oklahoma lost, that, that opened the door for Notre Dame if there's an all-unbeaten scenario in my mind. Yeah, I, I agree. Let's get to some games this weekend. I'll, I'll stay with, stick with Notre Dame because I think there's a, you know, the, if you look at Pitt, like Pitt coming into South Penn, Pitt has been the giant killer uh, for many years, going back to beating Virginia Tech, uh, you know, a couple uh, in the early 2000s. Uh, is it, Herbie, is this a, should, should Notre Dame be worried, scared of Pitt, which defeated Miami last year? Clemson two years ago, and in 2012, took Notre Dame to triple OT, uh, the year that Notre Dame went all the way to the title game. So You know, I might have said that 
I, I don't think it's Pitt this year because we're focused on Pitt. Also because Pitt lost its middle linebacker and leading tackler on in practice on Tuesday. Oh, very good. Also because good Notre Dame's offense is just really clicking. This Ian Book thing has really got them going offensively. And I think they're very solid defensively. This is a better team defensively in a lot of ways than that team that, that played Alabama in the championship game uh, in, what, 2012? I don't think this is the game that, that Notre Dame is going to stub its toe on, if it stubs its toe, because I think that, you know, those teams that we've mentioned, uh, the USC's, Northwestern, Florida State, there's other there's other candidates that I don't think it happens this week. Uh, Blau- Mr. Mr. Blauchin, are you still there? Are you playing Apple? Are you playing Apple? Are you playing Apple? I'm listening this chatter. Um, but first of all, I, don't, I, don't, I think the undefeated uh, question is not going to come up because I don't – I mean, uh, history has shown that, that only one or two teams is undefeated at the end of the season. I think that's going to happen again this year because they're going to play each other off. So I think, and, and again, you talk about West Virginia, uh, Luch. I mean, look where Notre Dame is now and look where West Virginia is now. There's nothing West Virginia can do to, to, to overcome Notre Dame if Notre Dame doesn't lose the game. Notre Dame is like fourth, fifth in the country right now. I mean, it's not going to happen. Well, that's the polls, though. It's starting to have their first you know, playoff committee meeting, number one. All right. Well, the, the positioning of Notre Dame on the, when the first playoff rankings are released here in about three weeks, the position, everybody's going to be watching right. that position, positioning of Notre Dame. Because we know it, it's going to be Alabama, Ohio State, maybe Clemson, you know, somewhat, what is Notre Dame Fourth, fifth, or sixth. Well, if they're fourth or fifth, or fifth, and then I think we all know where what's going to happen if they go undefeated. You know? Right. So, I was just saying this because, listen, West uh, Virginia would have helped themselves if, if they didn't have that game with NC State postponed or canceled because of the uh, hurricane there. And then they still have to play uh, Texas and Oklahoma, I think. So, you know, and then they would probably play one of them again. So there's some quality scheduling points to be to be made by West Virginia. That's That's my only point. Yeah. Um, Tony, you got a, 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 another big one. Every week we, we talk about the big games. Uh, I, I'm, uh, I'm, gonna, I'm speaking, of course, of Georgia at LSU, but I want to ask you a little bit about the kind of the rise of the SEC East, which we thought was kind of by far the weaker division. But the East is better this year, isn't it? No, there's, there's no doubt for a couple of reasons. One is uh, Dan Mullen and his guys are doing an incredible job at Florida. They're certainly better than I thought they were going to be at this point. And for them to beat LSU at home, that was a big win for them. Uh, Mullen's done a good job of developing their quarterback, Felipe Franks. And they got a, they got a game with Vanderbilt this week. They get a week off and play the cocktail party against Georgia. So that the Georgia-Florida game now looks a lot different than it did about right. uh, two or three weeks ago. Uh, Georgia at LSU, how do you see that uh, shaping up? This, this is one of the, you know, if you go back and look at what Georgia's done, I mean, Georgia's had a had a good year. They've been able to handle people on their schedule, but they really haven't played uh, a team. I told somebody that they really haven't played a team that'll smack you in the mouth, okay? They've been dominant, particularly on the line of scrimmage. Well, that changes on Saturday because LSU, as I mentioned earlier, they don't just want to win. They got to win. Yeah. If they lose, if it's their second loss, then then the Alabama game 
LSU's Alabama game will move them a third and is only for pride because they can't win the division. So I think LSU, I, I'm, I'm going to pick Georgia to win the game, but I've learned my lesson from Blau. <laughs> the spread's seven and a half. Uh, I, I think, I think uh, Georgia's favored by seven and a half, which is amazing to me. Uh, I think Georgia wins, but they don't cover. All right, that's a little tell I think for your Friday picks. I think you know. I think there you go. I think you're leaning on something there. Uh, a Jersey guy, uh, Blau. Uh, when Miami was losing last week, your alma mater, the Canes were down twenty-seven to seven to Florida State at home. What were you thinking? Right. I'm, I'm thinking that Miami's playing like Miami again, and Florida State's playing like Florida State again. Then all of a sudden, they reversed itself, and Florida State. Turned into Florida State this year, not of like three years ago. Um, I'm still not convinced that Miami is is, is, is a legitimate top five team. I, I, I just can't get warm to them. And I think they're going to stumble again somewhere along the way, if, if not before uh, they, they wind up playing with Clemson. I mean, I, I, hate to, I hate to say this, but they could come into, into Boston College a week from Friday. Uh, it could be like 35 degrees out and, on a Friday night, and maybe a little rain. And they won't show up. But, you know, who knows? I mean, I'm still very skeptical of Miami can do um, in, 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 the, in the big picture. Right. Um, and your, your, your Boston College Eagles are hosting Louisville this week. Is that right? Louisville is... Yeah, if they don't win that game, then, then, it's, then it's over for BC because, because then they're going to be... They're before and three, and then, then it's just a matter of... Then they got, then they got Miami, Virginia Tech, uh, Florida State... Um, and Clemson all, all, and Syracuse. I don't think they, they'll be underdogs in every one of those games. I got Their whole season is on the line. But I think, I mean, I think Louisville looks really horrible. I mean, I, I, I can't. It's points against Virginia, Georgia Tech. I mean, they're awful. What yeah, happened? BC, BC doesn't win by, by two. They did 13 point favorites, and, and BC should, should, cover, should cover that spread and should win easily. But again, I, I still don't trust BC. What happened to Bobby Petrino in, you know, uh, Hoping you, you know this is this is like ethically bad for for uh, you know. Does anybody know what happened to them? Yes, <laughs> other I'll, than I'll give, you, I'll give you an inside story on this one because I I, I, was, I was curious about it. You know who the uh, defensive coordinator is at that that Louisville? Yeah, the Notre, <laughs> the Notre Dame guy, right? I know. Yes, yeah, I know you do, Tony. The, the, for, the, 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 the former Notre Dame guy. Yes, we got five four games at the Notre Dame's into the season three years ago, and he, and he was at Georgia. For, he was a good coach at Georgia, wasn't he, Tony? Yes, he was. He was, he was with Mark Rick when uh, Mark Rick got there in 01. And we're wasn't talking he about... Winner? Didn't he win the Royals Award, too? I think that? he did, yeah. Okay, so he forgot how to coach, or just... A, no, that... it's, he's, had eight, he's had eight jobs in the last nine years, and, 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 and you know, he, you know and, he's, and he's... That defense, I mean, is, he, he got hired in... In January, so I mean, you tell me the difference. I don't know. Plus, Paul Johnson hates him. <laughs> so, yeah, boy, that's that, why he ro- that's why he rolled it up because he just absolutely hates the guy. That that's, that was <laughs> the most dominant uh, use of that offense against somebody that I've ever seen. The triple option. I think they ran sixty-five out of sixty-seven plays. Uh, it was just a total. Uh, you know, like you said, you knew there was some anger behind <laughs> behind some of those plays. But that's just ridiculous. Uh, uh, but, uh, Herbie, what um, I'm looking at Michigan State at Penn State. Now, Michigan State has been a huge disappointment. I don't know what happened there. They had all those returning starters. 
Uh, well, they're, you know, they're just, it, it's amazing to have 19 starters back and, and, and to not have your team back, and yet they do. Uh, you know, they, they've got a great run defense, but they're giving up just big chunks on the, in the aerial uh, side, and they're not running the ball. I, it's hard to know, and I think Lewerke is now, the, the quarterback, is he seems to be taking a step back, you know, yeah. as everybody's lost their confidence. and. They had that narrow escape from Utah State, which is a really good uh, smaller team, and then and then they went to Arizona State, which was a really bad setup. And I think it's just sort of snowballed on them. And now you know the schedule is going to catch up to them because they, you know, they're going to go to Penn State. That can't that can't go well. Well, you and, would uh, think, yeah. and the week after is Michigan. So you know maybe they'll get their act together, but but it's not going well. Yeah. Uh, you know, the, the big game in, in the Big Ten this week that we're looking at, of course, is Wisconsin at Michigan. Yeah. And uh, Wisconsin's banged up. They're, they've got two of their top three DBs are, are are questionable. They gave up, I think, a record on number, was it 400 yards of passing offense to Nebraska the other day? Uh, you know, this game seems to be setting up really well for, for Michigan. Um uh, even though Wisconsin has just such a great record of toughness in road games like this. So, you know, also just a huge game for Jim Harbaugh. If he can't get it done here, mm. the way it's all set up for him, there's going to really be a, a lot of repercussions in Ann Arbor. Now, what does that mean? <laughs> He's not going to get fired. What does that mean? Yeah. I mean, I think that, you know, the unthinkable, I mean, the, that people will, you know, there'll be really some questions about where this thing's going with Harbaugh. Uh, you know, it's premature to speculate on, you know, I don't I don't think they're making a change, but it's just going to, you know, it's just another step backward for a guy who really, you know, you wouldn't have imagined would be in this position when, when he got there and even after the first year. Yeah, I think I think that's all true. I'm looking out west, which nobody cares about it anymore, but I, I'm going to pre- I'm going to predict. Uh, that UCLA will will get their first win uh, under Chip Kelly. They're at Cal this week. Cal's struggling. UCLA actually looked pretty good against Washington. They showed uh, some backbone. Uh, and here's the other stat on UCLA: they're 0-5, but they are number one in something. They have the number. They played the number one schedule in America. Uh, their opponents uh, had this number. I think they're 24 and three. So Chip Kelly picked the wrong year to rebuild. Because uh, he ended up playing Cincinnati, which you know who knew, uh, and Colorado five and zero, who knew? Uh, but I'm there's my prediction there. It's on tape, and I'm in Colorado, big battle of the uh, South. Colorado unexpectedly five and zero at USC, but they are zero and twelve against USC, but have a superior slalom skiing team or a downhill combined team against them. So. Well, that's interesting that you you've talked two Pac-12 games for a down Pac-12, and not Washington. You haven't mentioned the game that that I think of as the foremost game this week. <laughs> well, it is, it is. But here, here's here's what this is. This is the what the Pac-12 does, and they still don't get it. They're, they knew going into the season, Washington was their their team. Okay, uh, Washington played at UCLA last week, flew back to Washington over Eugene. While Eugene was resting, the Oregon Ducks had an open week, and now they have to go play at Oregon. Uh, you know that that sets up well for Oregon, but does not set up your, uh, you know, one of your perennial 
teams, and it's just... What, why didn't they squeeze in a game against the Citadel? <laughs> well, you know, it's just... It's like they can't, they just can't get it right. And so, and, and you know, uh, Coach Peterson is certainly not happy about this, having to play at Oregon, uh, you know, uh, after two road games against a team that uh, uh, that had a, had an off week. That doesn't, you know, so this is why the Pac-12 will not be in the playoff. Uh, like, probably not. So, uh, you know, that's just the way it goes. But, uh, yeah, that should, that, that should be a fantastic, a fantastic game. Uh, those two, and I've said this before, those two schools hate each other more than any rivalry on the West Coast, more than the Oregon, Oregon State, more than Washington, Washington State, more than UCLA, USC. Uh, and I'm not sure exactly why, but it has something to do with, you know, Don James lording over, uh, you know, the, the poor ducks for years. But uh, that is the most heated rivalry in the uh, conference. Uh, so just, I'll just throw that in. Anybody got anything else? Luch, you got anything on your mind? Hey, I got one point thought. I think Honey might stress this. What's the deal with coordinators getting fired in midseason? <laughs> what is going on? I mean, is it, are they being, coaches being that impulsive? Well, starting, I, what about starting quarterbacks getting fired in midseason? That's happening too. Yeah, it's just, uh, I think we're, I don't know if it's the start of a trend, but We've seen a couple now. Like, you know, coordinators at, at different schools get fired in the middle of the season. It's, it's well, the thing with the thing with Mike Leach in Oklahoma. Go ahead, Tony. Go ahead, Tony. That had been building. Yeah. Yeah. You can see it on his so face during the game. Look at Oklahoma's schedule right now. They gave up 20. Remember, they gave up like 9,000 yards to Army. And right. Army had like 50 minutes time of possession. You know, it was it's it's that kind of stuff. You know, gave up thirty three to Baylor, forty eight to Texas. Uh, yeah, and that that was not a good defense last year, and, and I think it's that's sort of an unusual situation where you've got a really young second year coach, you know, and you're gonna you're gonna fire the the brother of the legend who turned over the reins to you. <laughs> you need a lot of cause, and I think he. If you look at it, like Tony said, he has a lot of cause. But Kansas just fired their offensive coordinator. That's I mean, right. Didn't they actually were bad when the season started? That's right. <laughs> now, that's that's always the question. <laughs> now he's bad. <laughs> yeah, he got two wins, and now he's bad. You know, well, so you, I don't. I just think it's a just like I say, if it's a trend, it's a very unusual trend to see these guys. Yeah. Uh, Louis, you might see it again in Saturday because as Louisville loses again. Brian Van Gorder might be the next coach at Louisville. If Bob Petrino gets embarrassed again, that could happen. So here we go. Well, yeah. you know, didn't didn't Kansas Kansas only they only had four hundred rushing yards against Rutgers, right? Where the fans <laughs> wanted five hundred. Uh, yeah, I, that was that was a strange one too because it's not like they they haven't had success this year. They won two games, which they haven't done in forever, you know. And they won uh, and they won a you know they beat a Power Five team. They haven't done it forever, so I don't know. I just think it's an unusual thing. I'm picking up. Uh, you, you come across uh, the, the stories you see, and more more guys are getting fired midseason. Well, Luch, it's you know follow follow the money. These guys are now making you know million dollars a year, and they're, you know the, everything's the stakes are higher, and they're, so everything gets amplified. I think even in you know that that's part of the deal, I guess. So, all right, everybody good? Are we out of here? Okay. All right, Tom Lucci, thank right. you for for stopping by. We'll have you back again very very soon. And uh, we're out of here until next week. Adios. Mm-hmm.